Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Wellness Podcast. This is episode number 74. My name is Slater, and I'm here with Eric, Adam, and Caitlin. Hi, everyone. What's up? Hello. Hey, we got through the intro. Fourth the intro? You have no idea how many times that just took. <laughs> well, Adam had to have his name in the middle, otherwise he would forget to say when he would say hi. Yeah, dude, you got to keep it consistent. It's like Eric, Caitlin, Adam, and I'm like, all right, I guess Caitlin's going second this time. And it's like last. Eric, no, Adam, I Caitlin. always wait until like... you two are done doing whatever yeah. you're going to do. Yeah. <laughs> Caitlin's always the smartest for last. True. Got him. <laughs> What's up, you guys? Anyways. Not whales. Guess We're all what? watching whales. Whales. We're all in the tank. Of whales. Let me steal an update from you. Someone's in the time zone that we're in, finally. <laughs> <laughs> we're all in the same one. Oh, yeah. For once, we're in the same time zone. Thank yeah. goodness. Didn't have to do a lot of complicated math. Math. So where are you heading next? You're staying in... Plus three, or, minus or, three. Oregon? No, well, I'm in Oregon for a week. See my my family and uh, change over from my warm weather clothes to my cold weather clothes before I keep going east out to Massachusetts. Are you driving? So, uh, no, I'm flying, but I have like a small stash of things at my parents' house. So I'm just like swapping out some things in my l- luggage and then keep moving. Oh, important question for you. Did the whale still breach for your dad when he got there? Oh my gosh, dude! They had like the best trip ever. Like, so it did breach. Did yeah, right in front of us, all the way out of the water. Let's hear about it. Um, is yeah, it so the, the video you posted? No, it was better than those ones. But I was like what? cleaning snorkel gear, and so I just like happened to run to the side of the boat because I heard there was a whale, and it jumped. Mm. It was like one of those little calf breaches where you see photos and like the whales like levitating because like, even the fluke got out of the water. Yeah, yeah, and it like kicked it up a little bit, so it was all the way out of the water by at least two or three feet. It was crazy. It was so cool. Oh, and did he yeah. yell? It's still breaching when I got here. <laughs> I don't know. They were on the upper deck and I was downstairs cleaning Uh, gear. (laughs) But yeah, it was awesome. They also had a great snorkel. It was like beautiful, flat, calm, great visibility in Molokini. Then we went over to Turtle Town and they saw lots of turtles and a white tip reef shark. So really great. Love to hear it. Yeah. Because at first we were having some bad weather, right? Yeah, it was windy. And then like the shoreline was really murky pretty much Mm. every day except the day that they went on the boat. Nice. So. Yeah. Any monk so seals? Um, no. I didn't see any monk seals this season, actually. Really? Oh, weird. But I also Over. didn't have a lot of time to go look for them. We were really busy this season. So, yeah. Um, and then we lots of competition groups the last couple of weeks I was on the water, so that was really great. Um, we had some groups that got upwards of eight whales in one comp group, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. So cool. And uh, we sighted an injured whale my last day, I think. Yeah, my last trip of the season that I had for Pack Whale was there was an injured whale. She, I think it's a ship strike. She's a known female from the Splash study, actually. Mm-hmm. She's named no. Sprinter. And she is normally sighted off British Columbia and then seen in Maui for breeding season. And um, her first sighting was during the splash study in 1993. She has like a little happy whale profile. So you can kind of check her out and um, follow along. But she has a lot of whale lice. The wound is healed, but it's a lot of like swollen scar tissue. 
It looks like maybe like the keel or the rudder actually is what caused the injury, not the propeller. Uh. And um, she <clears throat> has been around overall. Her like body condition seems okay. Other than the scarring and the lice, like she doesn't look overly thin. Her skin is still like pretty dark pigmentation. It's not like she's getting like uh. that really light gray color from being sick. Uh-huh. Um, and she actually like started a competition group while we were there. So like there was a competition group going on. We kept seeing this whale in the distance peck slapping. And so we decided to leave the group we were with and go check out the whale that had been peck slapping. And it, it was like, it had become two whales. And then we got there, it was three whales. And then all of a sudden it was four whales. And the oh, like, yeah. three males were chasing each other around her. And she was just like rolling around peck slapping the whole time. Nice. Wow. Her scar looks pretty bad. Yeah. It looks it looks bad, but it's good that there's lice and stuff on it. I'm trying to clean it up. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. I'm hopeful that she is gonna pull through that. So I think cool. she'll be okay. <clears throat> they're pretty tough animals, but they really are. They are. It's pretty impressive. I just realized you've got to work with like three different populations of humpbacks. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, technically, you have two, Eric. Depends on how you. Yeah. Depends on how you um divvy up the california whales but it, it is two breeding groups yeah so pretty yeah. awesome it's a costa rican right central american central american and, and, and then Mexican. yeah yeah Y'all. i've only ever seen one. Oh, you what adam well you work in california you might have seen central I mean, american whales and not known I mean, that. yeah but i mean like in terms of location like because you get humpbacks on the east coast too yep so that's like Four. Potentially four if you want to count the California whales as two breeding groups. Yeah. Yeah. You so. Adam, you, I thought you've been to Maui. No, I'm not. No, you haven't. But you've been to San Juan Island. We should go this year. Which is, yeah. yeah. Some yeah, Hawaiian so. whales and mostly yeah, Mexican whales. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I guess most of them are Mexican, though, huh? Mm-hmm. There's some I think Hawaiian I've seen ones, Frankenstein. I've seen Frankenstein. Frankenstein is a, Mexican, is a Hawaii whale. Boom! Oh, you're right. Ooh, I am cool. <laughs> the, only other, the only other one I've seen that you haven't would be the Icelandic side, which yeah. could potentially be the same as yours, Caitlin, right? Um, yeah, I think so. I or maybe, know. yeah. A little more about that, but yeah, I think so. Nice. So. We're humpback whale whispers. All the, all the humpbacks. Catch them well, all. What about you, you three, your sightings? What's up? I'm in Monterey. I saw gray whales. <laughs> oh, you're moving back. Shut up, dude. <laughs> so, I had humpback. The humpbacks are trickling in, and some of our regulars have come back. My favorite uh, whale actually came back. It's pretty cool. Gato Baracho is back. And, oh, uh, yeah, you love nice. that whale. Yeah, and you know what? Ow. Everything's everything's late this year. It's weird. I mean, they're not all here yet, but it, it, humpbacks are trickling in. Uh, gray whales are, are doing the nasty every now and then around us. <laughs> no calves yet, so I'm waiting for that. Good. Save them for our lady all day. Yeah. Wait, save them for Slater's all day trip. Yeah. And then, yeah, that's about it. Casper keeps on showing up, man. Casper's like become like a celebrity. You know, he always been has been a celebrity, but it's just like pretty frequent. And yeah, that's oh about God. it. Yeah, just good old Monterey sightings. We sighted uh, an Eric Austin Yee, huh, Adam? Oh, dude, I did see an Eric Austin Yee. It was a super rare, ultra rare pod of Eric Austin Yee's. I saw a a Slater and an Adam together 
on the that tail. That was funny. We yeah. all waved across boats. That yeah. was funny. It was pretty fun. You guys are silly. Yeah, it's so funny that Eric like downplayed his sightings. And I saw a sighting report from there the other day. It was like seven gray whales, two humpback whales, two hundred plus rizzo dolphins, sixty wide sided dolphins, and like something else. I'm like, yeah, it's a pretty horrible day in Monterey. Yeah, what a terrible day in Monterey. <laughs> but yeah, we're not. Getting... Oh yeah, no, they wrote. I think it was Chase Decker. He wrote slow, slow on the whale watching. <laughs> like, yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. slow on the bigger whales. Like, oh well, yeah, the thing about seven bigger whales. The thing about Chase, Chase is, uh, you know, he's out of Moss too. We we've, we've all uh, when we leave for Moss, we've all been going s- straight south towards Monterey. Yeah, we haven't been getting that that clumps, you know, those clump that big huge clumpage, you know, that hangs out right in front of Moss that sometimes we're used to. So I, everything's a little off this year. I think it's late. Everything's late. Late. I think everything's tarday. late. Tarday. It's gonna it's gonna be a ridiculous year. I feel Hopefully. like things are, things are late, but it's gonna. Wow. They're all gonna just like. Yeah. What? Then it's just gonna be like boom. It's gonna be like lunge. It's gonna be like breach. And then it's gonna be like wow. How 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 Adam? Boom lunge. Breach. I feel like uh, I haven't heard that word tardy since high school. <laughs> tardy. Tardy. You got a tardy. You have to go to go to the go to the principal's office and get a tardy slip. <laughs> <laughs> I bet none of you guys ever got one of those, huh? I have. I've been sent to the principal's office. I've got a detention. Ooh, Eric got a detention. Adam got yeah, one. He's probably out looking for lizards science. during class when he was. No, there. dude, dude, I got detention one time because I like pushed some kid off the swing and my own sister narked on me, man. <laughs> Your <own> sister? <laughs> it was Eric, my brother. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> sure. That's pretty awesome. Adam, how about your sightings? Oh boy, they've been off the charts. Been He's uh, one humpback digging. whale tail slap and he loses his mind. It's been ridiculous. Donkulous. <laughs> I can't what with Adam sightings. There's like 15 of them here. There's like 20 of them here. There's like day. four humpbacks, Adam. <laughs> no, there's not. You know they're Are you sure it wasn't the they're... same one breathing 15 times? Oh, dude, yeah, we're sure. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love how enthusiastic all of Adam. It doesn't matter if Adam sees one sea lion. It's like, dude, there were so many sea lions today. <laughs> like, one of them breathed out his nose sideways. <laughs> you say that, but there's actually like freaking 20 humpbacks out there. Right on the, right the good old 18 line. They're just congregating there with food. We also had a really good um, minky whale mugging. That was really rad. We don't get that too often, so those guys are fun. Um, and yeah, it's just been a whole ton of like mugging, breaching, tail slapping, lunge feeding whales. Sounds like an nice. awesome time. Fun. So, yeah. um, Slater Moore, if people want to go see whales, what do you have coming up? Um, an all day trip. My next one's in May. You I have it's available. Yeah, so I have an April 26th or 22nd. All day trip, but that one sold out. And if someone for sur- or for some reason can't make it or whatever, I will reopen it back up. But right now, there's a, a kind of a small waiting list. And the May fourth one has ten spots as of right now, recording this podcast. So nice, yeah, cool. And I'm kind of glad that you guys keep saying that it's later and later because those trips are later into the you know season. They're not. They're kind of in the middle of it, right? But Still for on killer the whales, end. you mean? Yeah, for the killer whale. Yeah. 
So yeah. Tardy, <clears throat> tardy. I mean, yeah, I, I always say mid mid April to mid May, but really the third, fourth weeks of April and the first week of May is like the peak. Hmm. So that's perfect timing, Slater. Yeah, I'm excited. So. I've got my fingers, toes, and nostrils crossed. You can cross your nostrils. That's creepy. That's gross, dude. You know how you know how I do. No, I don't. I don't want to know either, though. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we also have another fun little host update. We have been working for, um, I think, almost two months with the artist Sammy Chang. And we have come up with some artwork that we're going to use for future projects. But we also have a new logo. So uh, thank you to Sammy for working on that with us. We're so excited to um, partner with her. She is uh, someone that we all consider a friend, and she's also a science illustrator, so it's pretty fun for her to work on um, the logo and some other artwork pieces for us. So you'll stay tuned to see what we're doing with all of that, but um, kind of fun to have like a little official thing, and it might not seem like a big deal maybe to you as a listener, but for us, it's like it's like the podcast just keeps getting more and more real and like official, and like I don't like it is a project we do for fun, but also like we're trying to. Uh, step up our game so like these are kind of the behind the scenes like business things you have to take care of and so we're super excited for um all of that so thank you sammy and her Thanks, instagram sammy. is s chang studios we'll tag s. her chang dot studios. i think it's yeah, dot s. studio chang dot studios and we'll <laughs> um, tag her on our instagram and stuff so you can see the work that she did for us and then also um you can go check out her work on there so yeah it's also really cool to utilize someone else that's in the field but doing something differently than us. Yeah. You know what I mean? For yeah. sure. I can't draw for crap. I can't draw either. <laughs> I do stick figures. So yeah, it's hard to stick make a figure whales. whale. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try hard. Maybe I can. Maybe that should be something you put in the Patreon, Eric, is a stick figure whale. Eric, <laughs> stick figures. Yeah. He'll draw awesome. a stick figure of a whale. I'll draw all of us on a whale watching boat. <laughs> And then there a, we a, go. The extra long stick is a blue whale. I need to get. <laughs> I need to have Eric and Caitlin and Adam all in the same boat, so we can. Well, actually, I was gonna say something really bad. Never mind. I was gonna say we could have an earthquake, but that's not a good idea. Whoa. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's true. Last time we. But had I just want all the whales to breach for us at the same time. That was the last time the three of us were in the same boat. There was an earthquake. I take back the earthquake park, but if something can <laughs> shake up the seafloor, just for a second there. <laughs> There's, I think there's been like one or two times where we've all four been like together. I'll be on it all day, right? No, there's a one time we recorded the podcast when I saw the super ultra rare mega rare. Oh, that's right. It was an afternoon trip. Where'd we go out with? Discovery? Discovery. Oh, oh the killer whales. Was that with, uh, was Jeff that and was Sarah the- there? That was like an afternoon trip, wasn't it? And the, no, was it was actually, an afternoon trip. And I think, Eric, were you doing something? I was and we diving. Like you? Yeah, yeah, I was diving. You guys literally caught me uh, right out of the water. Yeah. Yeah, we tried to get you to come out oh, too. I remember. I was that. diving with Sammy, in fact. It was, yeah, I was diving with Sammy. <laughs> wow. Small oh, world. Yeah. Small world. Small world, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I have one last, like, uh, little, like, more housekeeping type announcement before we get into our topics for the day. But, um, I just left Maui and I was working for Pack Whale Eco Adventures, which is the for-profit side of Pacific Whale Foundation. Um, and there are still whales there, um, but whale season is winding down and they're getting ready for summer season, which is like snorkeling and like cocktail and dinner cruises. 
um, and they are hiring. So if you want to get out there um, and work for Packwell Eco Adventures for snorkel season, they do a lot of really great training with their staff. Um, and then also they're going to um, get you working on the ocean. If you've had aspirations from the mainland and you want to head out there, um, they'll bring you out there. And so if you want to apply, you just go through the um, Pacific Whale Foundation's website on the bottom like where you find typical like website navigation stuff, like contact us, location, that kind of stuff. There's a tab that says careers. And so you'll find the naturalist positions are listed there. Um, if you have questions about snorkel season or snorkel trips or anything, I can answer some of that. If you want to DM us through Instagram, I'm happy to look for those messages. Um, but also they have a pretty good description on their job posting of like what they expect of you. But yeah, I would just say, you know, people are getting ready to hire for summer. So if you're looking for jobs, you have questions, if there are places we've worked, like feel free to ask us. Um, but I just wanted to shout out Packwell because I just left and I know they are looking for crew. So, yeah. And there is probably a lot of people that are looking for um, to hire people this summer because a lot of people didn't come back after COVID, yeah. believe it or not, even though it's such an yeah. amazing job. Some people just chose not to or found something else to do and stayed with that job. Um, so, yeah, I would look around for sure. Yeah, definitely. And we've, we've talked about it in the past. Like, there's there's a million ways to get into this industry. Um, like we said, either if it's a naturalist position, a deckhand position. I started with, like, photography. Like, there's always ways to get in. And so just, like, that's a great opportunity. And, you know, reaching out to other companies, there's there's always opportunities. So be on the lookout for sure. And and also keep in mind, people, you're not going to become a millionaire or famous working on a whale-watching boat. And if you want attention and want to be famous, go, you know, become an actor or something. Unless you're Slater Moore. Unless you're Slater Moore. Unless you're Slater Moore. I'm not famous, you little turkey heads. <laughs> hey, but I do have an exciting update that I feel ready to tell. You're okay. Famous. Oh, okay. Well, some right. of you guys know because you're we'll on our Patreon, yeah. but I did purchase a boat, and I'm also moving back to Monterey in three days. Yeah, yeah. By the time this podcast airs, Hit Slater will already be in Monterey, I think. Well, unless we publish it right away. I don't know. Yeah, because I'm going out on Tuesday because the weather looks okay. I think as of okay. yesterday it did. I don't know. In I, your I own boat, you're it. going out on Tuesday? Yes. Oh, fun. I'm going swimming. And, it, and there's no sea lions on your boat, I checked. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's both so slow. It's so low to the water. I both been living water. up in Monterey. Well, the thing is, is I woke up in the morning, or I was going to bed, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's actually been one week since I've seen my boat." And I was like, "I got I tried calling Eric. It was like nine fifteen. I'm like, "This guy's go check on my boat, or... please." <laughs> but I saw that he had made an Instagram post. I'm like, "Well, he's awake. I'm going for it." And I called him, but he didn't answer. <laughs> and I texted him. He responded. So. Oh hey, my goodness. Yeah, I checked your boat. Um, but yeah, there's no. Oh, you need a deck brush. There's poop. That's it. Oh yeah, my god. Inside the cabin. It's not my poop, it's the bird. I'll have to leave you with a key so you can... <laughs> there better not be no poop on my boat. <laughs> oh my I'll fight a dude. seagull, dude. Dude, Slater has, like, the nicest boat in that part of the <laughs> so No, there's a Grady White down down near mine. That's pretty nice, too. Yeah, that's a nice Grady, but that dog, man. <laughs> pretty oh funny. No, you know what? Adam had such a bad experience. The first day we walked to my boat, there was literally, like, it was, like, dog poop, sea otter poop, sea lion poop, gull poop. <laughs> And it was like you had to hopscotch through the poop, and then but it's, the next, I took Margot down there, and I was like, babe, just to let you know, there's probably some poop because there's so many little freaking dogs, and so I was like, there's probably some poop, and there was it was literally like they had put brand new dogs in. I'm not even exaggerating at all. I was like so excited. 
Because so, they pressure wash it or something? I don't know. They were just not. They were just not there. So I was I happy spray, with that. I had to spray a turd off uh, the area by the high spirits loading area today. So yeah, I don't know what's uh, with the dogs over there. Yeah, I, there is some small boats that take up uh, the location by Blue Ocean, and I'm hoping that after salmon season, which I hope ends sooner than later, like I hope it's not a long one. I'm hoping I could whew, slide, on that slide. slide on that way. Slide on that way. Yeah. <laughs> You got a sweet can... slip though, because it's it's so big. It's so close to the a- exit too. Yeah. But if you put it by me, then I can watch your boat. That's the thing. Yeah, but that's the thing is, it's cl- yeah. yeah. If I leave for like, I mean, yeah. you're saying someone wants to hire me to go Tonga, since I, <laughs> I got, I got, I last year. Yeah. I got dusted on the last one. <laughs> I'm there four days a week, so yeah, I'll babysit the boat if it's closer. Oh my goodness. Yeah. No, but when we go home for holidays, you know what I mean. At least it's near someone that's going out on a regular basis. So yeah. 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 Awesome. So the Very first, exciting. um, the first thing that we're gonna chat about briefly, well, I'll just tell, fill you guys in on about briefly, is a follow up from a topic we talked about on the last episode, and then we're gonna talk about marine mammal we don't talk about very often. We're gonna talk about manatees. Oh, I thought you were gonna say the vaquita. Oh no, shit. we talk about vaquitas almost every trip or every episode. What are we yeah, saying? Every episode. Too, literally. Just me being dark again. Um. So, just a follow-up on the sperm whale article that we talked about with the sperm whales teaching each other, like, avoidance strategies from whalers. Um, I finally watched the second day of Whale Tales today um, and how Whitehead actually gave a talk that is that article. Um, But he had more of, like, the actual data um, in his slides. And so, basically, how they took the information and, and figured out that the sperm whales were teaching each other these avoidance strategies was... They looked at old whaling logs, and um, the whalers were very precise about um, riding. Every time they launched their boats, every time they attempted to strike a whale, and how long it took to actually bring the whale in. And so they compared their sighting of whales versus their strike rate of whales over um, a period of time that they were working the Pacific sperm whale grounds. And after the first five years of being in the sperm whale uh, whaling grounds in the Pacific, their strike rate dropped 58%. So like all of a sudden, like when they first got there, they were harpooning sperm whales left and right, like no problem. Then after five years, it was like, it was less than half as successful as it had been. And it's, it's not, it's not that there's less whales, it's that their attacks were less successful, right? Yeah. 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 So they were still sighting the whale, but their actual effectiveness of getting a strike off on the whale was less successful Mm. so um and even in they kind of like looked at the locations and then were able to determine that even naive units of sperm whales that had never encountered whaling ships before um were good at evading sperm whales so like these animals that had never seen a whaling ship before somehow still knew how to get away from it wow Um, and so quick learning yeah five years and like the whole north pacific they were figuring it out um, and then their defense mechanisms, he kind of listed them off a little more uh, in detail. We talked about this in the last uh, episode. Most of it that I talked about was swimming upwind. Um, but they also stopped gathering in large social groups. And they had they think there was some sort of alarm mechanism that they used to communicate to each other. They swam upwind. They left the area when the whaling boats came into the area. And then they would take deep dives or they would even attack the boats. And some of that's like anecdotes from the whaling logs that they got that information from. So hmm. pretty cool. A little yeah. more detailed follow up about that, which was cool. 
That's so crazy. Yeah. There's it, it just it just really like cause you gotta think about it. Like the only predator they have before humans was killer whales. Yep. Right. And, and so they had and this like gathering in groups was defense strategy against killer well, whales. Well, yeah, and they had this they had this like I don't know if it's foolproof, but like this this successful strategy to combat killer whales, and then they had to come up with their whole, you know, own new strategy to combat whaling ships and that's that's pretty crazy and then to be able to communicate that to other whales it's like what (laughs) i wonder i wonder if sperm whales just take a dive though i just feel like that's risky though because if the killer whales can somehow follow them while they're down you know what i mean and then they you're even more tired isolate one yeah and if you isolate one then yeah I would go for it. I'd probably be the wrong. I'd go for the dive on accident, dude. I'm like, dang it, I made the wrong choice. <laughs> and you're dead. I'd be like, dude, I've been down here for two hours. They've got to be gone. And it's like, nah, dude, Emma's still up there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we've, wait. Paci- we have, there's Pacific sperm whales, obviously, because we see yeah. them here. But what, like, category are they in, right? Because there's, like, the Dominica whales. There's the Sri Lankan whales. There's yeah. the... And there's ones yeah. across in Japan too. And then there's yeah, the a- so... Azores whales, like, which is still Pacific, but they cover a huge range. Azores is Atlantic. Yeah. Because that one that we had, there's that one big male that keeps on showing up every few years in Southern California, mango. Mango. He's no, been seen as far as what was it, Central America? Like really far. So another gotcha. range could be. Quite yeah, the males big. especially have a huge range compared to the females and juveniles. Yeah. So, but I don't actually know too much about like population. The population. Yeah. It's it's funny, like like we consider ourselves obviously whale nerds, but like there's still whales that like we could see here that nobody just really knows a lot about. Like I don't I don't feel like there's a lot of information out there on Pacific sperm whales. You think, yeah, well, I think some of that is Pacific because they were they were exploited so heavily so yeah, far right? into recent times. So you think uh it's possible that we could see a sperm whale that is like the ones that they see in like shiratoko yeah that's what i'm that's what i'm wondering know. like do they maybe do they, i don't know are they, do they I mean, across across the pacific that's what pacific. i was saying not not azores i know the azores atlantic um, yeah it'd be crazy yeah i don't i haven't really researched sperm whales personally a lot um but it's definitely something that if you are very interested in it i'm sure there's at least some information i just don't have it offhand another another question or wow. I guess point to talk about is like think about think about our blue whale populations and our humpback populations and our fin whale populations. Those have rebounded really well in this part of the Pacific, but in terms of sperm whales, I guess we don't really know the numbers. But you'd think we would have more sperm whale sightings, like we do the the other great whales. You know, they've got to be doing okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, maybe they just like because you guys said they used to hunt them in Monterey. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and yep. they and they haven't showed up. You know, like like what are they doing? Where are they? What are they? Up well, to? they have. They've seen them. Like well, they see one a year, but I mean, not yeah. It's not like big numbers, of course. Exactly. But it's so weird, just, like that. Like, Eric, maybe they are down there doing so well. Yeah, they'll be California for the pot of fifty, right? So it's like that's yeah, the sperm whale. Gone. So there's definitely yeah. sperm whale somewhere. Yeah, I mean, well, so I think... nursery oh, pot showed. Yeah, that nursery pot showed up like two. Not two days in a row. It was like a few days in a row, but like twice, yeah. But um, I don't know. I I, I mean, I don't know if the, the dive times, you know, and stuff like that are keeping us from <laughs> from finding them. them. But we don't like. Um, do we hear them? I know 
I can recall a couple times I've heard them on the Monterey Bay. Yeah, um, we're here. Hydrophone. But yeah. And the hotspots even. Yeah, the current hotspots are seen them aren't even in the bay. It's been over, uh, way south of us over there towards the Davidson Seamount and stuff like that. Some NOAA, uh, you know, uh, trips have uh, seen them out there and stuff like that. Sir Ridge, which is you know, also. Uh, just a little bit outside the bay, um, uh, south of us. So I don't know. Maybe they shift. They shifted to their locations. Yeah, there's there's two other things I think would be factors in their recovery. One is the cultural dynamics, as we remove so many whales from that's, yeah, that's the ocean. Sperm whales are one of those species that have a, a high, uh, highly sophisticated social structure. They do have culture. Obviously, they're sharing information amongst different social groups. So when you change the dynamics by removing whales from those groups, like that potentially cannot bode well for, for those animals. If they're really reliant on the whale that you killed, like their whole pod could unravel kind of like with wolf packs or killer whale pods. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's something to consider that makes like recovery messy, but also we continue to um, explore and harvest like squid species from new areas all the time like we're working in a whole bunch of different parts of the ocean like extracting Mm. things and so like we're we're still competing for food even though we're not hunting whales so like that also could affect like where whales are going to find food and we like how much do we know about deep sea squid which is what they eat we know hardly anything (laughs) yeah a lot of the squid have shifted too for example like humboldt squid used to be all over you know california and now they they keep on going south i mean they're way south i mean they were yeah. in baja they're not even in baja anymore you know they went down to like south america like off of chile and hopefully they're still there you know so certain spits squid species have completely shifted and moved out of the way yeah exactly yeah. so as as things continue to change in the ocean ecosystem it's just going to make it more complicated yeah right, and figure out where things are yeah, and that was just currently, you know, with the Humboldts. I mean, who knows what happened back when we were hunting the sperm whales, so. Yeah. yeah. It's just interesting, like, I guess I've never really thought about that aspect of how, like, all the other, for the most part, you know, great whales have recovered to semi-stable populations, except for the sperm whales. At least, I mean, hope, again, who knows? Like, they could be stable population, we just don't see them, you know, but. Yeah. Like, it's just. They're just harder to track, too. That's another thing. And I'm curious about their birth rate, too. You know, is it every other year? Like, you know, that's good for a cetacean or if it's less, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think the the one population that's getting a lot of attention and study in that regard is those Dominica sperm whales with yeah, the Dominica. Dominica Sperm Whale Project. And mm-hmm. Shane Garrow, who's one of the lead scientists down there, is an incredible sport, spokesperson for those whales. He's He's honestly one of my favorite people to hear. Mm-hmm. talk about whales ever so if you can find him i think he has a ted talk he's a nat geo explorer too i believe um and he has lots of stuff on youtube like talking about his project he's incredible um so if you're interested in learning more about like the culture of sperm whales in particular he has a really cool case study going in dominica um so yeah i just would love to see like i i don't know i'm really fascinated with sperm whales i guess it's probably because i don't i've seen one in my entire life and it was a freaking <laughs> What if they are doing really, really well? And we I mean, that's the thing. They could be. How cool to know we're always just missing them by a day or an hour or like, you know what I mean? Like they could they could pop up in the middle of the bay and we miss them every single time. Like I remember there's there's that pair of sperm whales that popped off off of Point Vicente for like a week straight or something. And that's Mm -hmm. not unusual. Mango has a buddy sometimes. Yeah, that that was actually mango. Yeah. 
Was it? It's mango and a friend. But see, but that's that's only that's two bowls. Mango you know, and where avocado. Are the big like obviously, I think it's obviously you guys. Scoop. <laughs> like you guys avocado. have seen, you guys have seen the, uh, you guys have seen a nursery pod twice, and you guys have been in the ocean for however many years. You know, like yeah, like I can't recall years. any that's other what I big say about that. Thirty four. Well, I'm saying I, I, I can't remember any other nursery pod scene. I've I can only in recent memories it's just being bull males. So. I don't know. It's really funny, uh, Adam. You, you always talk about how the false killer was coming in March. And the first time I saw them in 2014 was in March, like 17th. Isn't that Dude, crazy? They that come every, in like almost March. every year now? This year. This year. Three I know. Isn't that crazy? The March. It's so funny because you guys don't even understand when we saw the false killer whales in 2014, the Newport boats, everybody was like, sure, was these are suit. These are. They were the, like they're they're a dolphin killer whale hybrid. Like it was like all these yeah. crazy <laughs> titles and like. Uh, I, and at that time, I knew nothing about whales other than that we watched like yeah. gray whales, and and I seriously thought that we had saw the most like rarest like. Well, they pot still of are whales. rare. Like we like yeah. again, we see them what four times a year, three times a year, and that's in SoCal. I think they rarely come up to Santa Barbara. I think the condor has seen them twice in the past nine years, seven years. So. I don't know, man. It's just I've it's shortfin pilot so whales two times in Southern California. That's a species that I have and, never seen, and that's and a species that hasn't been sighted here in a while. The pilot whales used to be common in Southern California. Yeah, there was supposed to be like these. I heard some fishermen talking about seeing them all the time. Like, yeah. and then supposedly, or is that you, Eric? That was telling me about the Rizzo's thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Rizzo's. And Eric was telling me about the Rizzo's. Yeah, kind of moved yeah. in, and the shortfin pilot whales moved out or something. Yeah. So even like at my age, like early '80s as a kid, yeah, just simply going to Catalina Island, uh, you would. We were, I'm not guaranteed, but it was a really good chance you would see pilot whales, and then they wow. just slow. Imagine Adam. Yeah. Oh my God. Adam would be like, Oh, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, if I, if I ever see a pilot, like I don't like that's a species like I, I don't count on seeing. You know, like you have a good chance, Adam, if you actually got. Like maybe if you guys took an all day trip and just went to the backside of the islands, you so, know? The one the one yeah. place Dave has ever seen sperm whales and pilot whales was the backside of the mm-hmm. islands on bird on bird trips of all things. Exactly. And like you, he, he always he always tells a story. He's like, Yeah, we had we freaking found like a huge pot of pilot whales and all these birders yeah. were looking at like an yeah, oyster yeah. catcher and they didn't care about him. And I was like <gasps> Yes, and, we've all seen that yeah. a million times, Adam. It's the worst thing ever. They're like, dude, an albatross. We're like, killer whales are eating a sea lion four In inches fact, away. Uh, just about a month, about two months ago, I think it is now, uh, the crew from Princess Monterey was bringing their new boat from Ensenada to Monterey. And then as they passed through your area, Adam, they saw a sperm whale. So, you know, they're, they're there. Uh, yeah, you didn't hear about that? Yeah. Why did I not hear about it? Yeah, they're there. They, their crew bringing just bringing the boat back from the the boatyard in uh, Ensenada, Mexico. Yeah, I saw them. So they're there. Yeah. I gotta get my own boat so I can go to the backside whenever I want. Dude, we're yeah. going to the Davidson Seamount. We might get lost, but it's cool. <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to pull into San Simeon's. This might be the last podcast that Eric and I mean that Adam and Slater ever record because they're yeah. gonna get lost in Slater's boat. We went we went we went out there and it was amazing. I mean, it was like. Blue whales and fin whales everywhere. If you're a bird, it's like petrels everywhere. It was really oh, cool. cool. Isn't yeah. it funny how there's like some like places that like are are still like that active? Like 
There's this one spot. There's this one spot that Bob Perry, who's like the old photographer on our boat, um, he, it's the they call it the cod hole, and it's like <laughs> this, this spot in like the middle of nowhere off of like Conception. And he says like yep. every time he's been there, it's always just been packed with like whales. Yeah, but it's just like such a remote place that like nobody really gets there, and I hope yeah. it stays that way. You know. Yeah, Davidson's kind of like that. It's you know way out in the middle of nowhere, but it's literally an old you know volcano just sits out there, and it's 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 freaking you know uh, upwelling heaven over there. So yeah. you got everything. Yeah. There. That's so cool. Yeah. Think that if the Farallon Islands were had like less bad weather and they were able to whale watch as much as like Monterey Bay, that they would have similar to the same sightings as us in the bay. I think how, pretty close. How, how deep is it off the back of the Farallon Islands? Because it's really shallow all the way to them. I'm not really yeah, I don't sure. Know. Yeah. But I know they have lots of humpbacks out there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, duh, you guys can't see, but this is Davidson. I mean, if you look at the numbers around me, it's all like 10,000, 12,000 feet. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's so many little easy. turkey burgers out there. Yeah. Spur yeah. whales, beak whales, dude, you name it. Yeah. Oh. Are we ready to talk about manatees now? We might not have time. Oh, I want to talk about whales. Oh, my gosh. I've never even seen a damn manatee. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. I'm You're not qualified, Slater. Just I'm put your mic the on rest mute. Of the podcast, dude. <laughs> well, it's okay. We're gonna cover the basics of manatees, just in case you don't oh, really great. know a lot dude, about them. Now you're that. giving me the intro to manatees. Like, you ready? Manatee 101, Slater. Here manatees are really interesting. Even their anatomy is interesting, Slater. So. Yeah. I did see a video of a dog in a manatee the other day. You guys see that? No. Yeah, the dog was. He's Looking qualified at, now. At the manatee. I saw it on Instagram. Wow. All right. So, I know a lot about it. Please keep your pets away from marine mammals, just in general. That's a great rule of thumb. Yeah. yeah you never know when your dog's just going to do a freaking... Eat a seal Ooh, or something. Yeah. Well, also a sea <laughs> lion could the... eat your dog. So. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So there are three species of manatees in existence today. There is the West Indian manatee, which is what um, we see in the United States. The Amazonian manatee, which is in South America, and the West African manatee. They are <laughs> mostly herbivores, and that's how they get the name sea cow. They eat freshwater and saltwater plants. Um, they are typically between eight to 1,200 pounds in weight, so that's 400 to 550 kilograms. They're about nine feet long, but up to 15 foot maximum, so average of three meters in length. And they are warm water dependent, so they don't really have a lot of blubber. Um, so they can't survive in temperatures below 60 degrees Fahrenheit. That's 15 degrees Celsius. And they prefer water that's 68 degrees Fahrenheit or warmer. That's 20 degrees Celsius. Um, cool, the like, most what's common... their closest living land relative? We're going to get into that. Calm down, sir. Adam? Do not read the notes I wrote. Come on, I'm writing these notes Sorry. down. Don't mess me up. Um, okay. Their most common threats are ship strike, um, Poison from red tide and then habitat loss and destruction. So like red tide, when they consume the harmful algae, it builds up in their body. It's not good for them. Um, so that's manatee 101. Uh, they, let me see if I got this. Manatees can be anywhere from 800 to 1,200 pounds soaking wet. Um, <laughs> 9 to 15 feet in length. Uh, they're warm water dependent. So definitely in places like Florida. Okay. Yeah. Uh, their most common threats are ship strikes, red tide, and habitat loss. Yes. Uh, yeah, sign me up. Where do yeah. I work? Great. Okay. Wait, so, why do they call them the West Indian manatees if they're seen in Florida? So, 
the West Indies is the Europeans that got lost. They named the Caribbean the West Indies because they didn't know where the heck they were. Um, good thing that Earth's not flat. They would have just sailed off the end of it. Um, so the West Indian manatee, the Florida manatee is a subspecies of that. So what we're going to oh. talk about for the rest of the episode, episode is the Florida manatee, which is the subspecies. Um, the first article, we're going to talk a little bit about the evolutionary history of manatees. They used some um, really cool DNA analysis. And they tried to see, like, what was the path of, like, differentiating from their common ancestor. The super interesting evolutionary history, right? I mean, because, like, think about it. Like, they're a, a sea animal that, like, sort of like whales. Like, they're a mammal that lives in the sea. Mm-hmm. But their most close of, closest relative, it's going to be really interesting the route geographically. So their, their closest land mammal relative is an elephant. And they, they split from elephants 69 million years ago. Yeah, I then, around. <laughs> did, you weren't there, didn't see it. That's even Not before that. that's even before Pachycetus. Pictures are didn't happen. That's yeah, that is before Pachycetus. And it was the dugongs and manatees, that common ancestor split from the common ancestor of elephants. So now we're down to dugong, dugongs and manatees. The dugongs are on the other side of the Pacific from where we are currently located. Um dugongs and manatees split about 46 million years ago so quite a ways back as well and their only major difference is like just the the ter- the, the fluke section right just about that's it that's the biggest like physiological Physi- like yeah. visual, wow. visual difference that you can see yeah where yeah. does the stellar sea cow fit in i missed Dugong that um, the it looks more like a whale in this paper but i didn't want to include it to like because I feel like we'd get way off on a sidebar about stellar sea cows. So I it'd be oh, yeah. it so cool to see a stellar sea cow. <laughs> oh, dude, it'd be rad. <clears throat> stellar. Okay. Nice. So then for the, the kind of like the popular theory is that the manatees were on the western side of the Atlantic. So the West Indian and Amazonian manatees are like the oldest. And then ocean currents allowed them to spread across the Atlantic to West Africa. So the African and American manatees split about six and a half million years ago. And then the like sort of deviation of North and South, which is actually like the West Indies and the Amazonian manatees split about 1.3 million years ago. And if you look at like the geologic timeline of what was happening, like to the earth's crust, um, and like these splits, they're pretty well timed, like paired up. So um, when like oceanic currents allowed for the movement of, of ocean water from the eastern half of South America to the western part of Africa, like then manatees were moving over to Africa. Like, cause right, they keep... so cool. And then Makes... the Amazonian manatee really differentiated from the West Indian manatee because the Amazon basin was forming. But there was like, so these manatees that swam really far up this freshwater system, but then they became isolated because there were like geologic events where the river became like cut off from the ocean and then it reopened again. So yeah, it was really cool. Wow. They got to do a class on this stuff. Like, (laughs) what? (laughs) That's what we're doing with this podcast. 
gosh, I know, but they don't. Uh, there's no book. Like, oh man, there's no Audible books Dude, on I'm this. Sure, stuff. there's this, a, this there's a Cyrenian book. There has to be a Cyrenian book. There is. I have it right here. Oh, let Eric oh get it out of, of his freaking library. Of course he has it within arm's reach. Holding his headset. So Dude, that's kind I of wanna, the how do you spell it? Cyrenian. S i r e n i a n. Cyrenian. Oh yeah. It's as weird as Cetacea. My Serenian book is actually, I think, either in my Pelican case or at my parents. But this one's good for uh, Robert Bondi. This guy is actually really, um, really well known to be, uh, you know, a manatee expert in Florida. So this one's a good basic book. What is it called? Oh, yeah. The Florida Manatee Biology <laughs> and Conservation. <laughs> How weird is that? The, the dugong's fluke is, like, very similar, similar to a whale or dolphin. And... Yeah, it's really like what? What? Yeah, yeah. but That's there's so much convergent evolution. The craziest things there's so many things like in between from like way back then till now that are like crosses between like they almost look like a sea lion and manatee, you know? Like uh on our end right here in the west coast, is it uh Desmos Desmos? Oh yeah, the Desmos. What are they? Desmos. Yeah, they are like kind of like well, they think it's like a walrusy type yeah. thing. Yeah. 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 There, there's just so many like in between animals that in our prehistoric record that like you can tell like in between animals. It's like whoa, before they, you know, became something we see currently. Dude, yeah. can you can you believe that the stellar sea cow went extinct in 1768? Yeah, wasn't that long? That's like right that there. Yeah. What no, happens when they up. taste good? <laughs> <sighs> You got if you got I don't want to taste one coat, if you provide power if you're slow if you taste good if, if you're, you're slow, slow yeah oh that's so sad yep so so that's kind of the evolutionary history history of manatees um which is really cool Wait. and um i'm by no means a manatees expert so if you want to learn more about this i encourage you to do your own independent research because i Go just in the Go listen to the Manatee Nerds podcast. Yeah, I'm sure there's something. I don't know. But (laughs) Do you guys actually want to talk to someone? Do you think it'd be cool for us to bring in a manatee person? I know someone that does rescues, so. Um, Yeah. yeah. From FWC. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Real manatee man? Manatee. It would actually be interesting to hear about some updates here in the near future about what we're about to talk about. Because there's some interesting things going on. That's why I even brought them up. Okay. I'll talk to Amber if she's willing to. Cool. So a paper just came out. Um, we're going to talk about two papers and then just some new stuff and then we'll wrap it up. So um, a paper just came out analyzing the sublethal occurrence of watercraft strikes on manatees. So like I said earlier, one of their main threats is ship strike. So um, this study was done in, all the way up to, I think, 2016 or 17 was the last time they had data collected to put in this summary. It's a quite a long time period. Um, and they analyzed like almost 2,400 manatee uh, carcasses during necropsy. And what they were looking at was how many different, based on scars on the body, how many different watercraft strikes an animal had that were not the cause of death. Um, and one of the things that was in the introduction of the paper when it was just kind of like sizing up like the issue is manatees share waterways with hundreds of thousands of watercraft so 
foil boards, jet skis, boats. Like, it's just this crazy hundreds of thousands of watercraft. Mm -hmm. Kayakers. That blew my mind. They're in the busy. They're in like the busiest parts of the southeast, you know, right yes. there in intercoastal. It's like, yeah, yeah. And it's warm. It's the too. worst place to be, yeah. Yeah. Hot springs too. So, um, and then just to also kind of frame up the the data, I'm about to rattle off of you. Not all collisions with watercrafts leave scars. So they're saying that all the data they reported on is a very likely to be an underestimate of this problem. Mm -hmm. so keep that in mind when I tell you all these things. Um, so watercraft strikes account for 20 to 25% of manatee mortality mm -hmm. overall. And their method of, of determining the number of watercraft strikes, it, they explain it really well in the, in the paper, but they take photos of the manatee's body during the necropsy and then they make these um, scar sketches. And so like there's people that are really well trained in like knowing this stuff um, that do the necropsies and they sketch out like color coded each event so they look at like the angle the you know whether it was a propeller whether it was like from the underside of the vessel all that and they like color code it based on the events 96 percent of the adults they need crop seed had water craft strike scars 96 percent wow. had sub sublethal sublethal scars wow one in four of those adults that were had scars had scars from 10 or more watercraft Mm -hmm. Wow. And there were five adults in their study period that had strike scars from over 40 different watercraft. Jeez. That's oh crazy. 70% of the sub adults they had in their study had strike scars, and 34% of calves that were in their study had strike scars. By comparison, if you want to compare this to a whale, um, population, yeah. the Gulf of Maine population of humpback whales. 14.7% of live animals have watercraft strike scars. And one mm -hmm. animal, the highest number of incidences that are easily documented as separate incidences is four. Mm -hmm. uh, so 14% I mean, of living humpbacks, 96% of manatees <laughs> in this study. Wow. Yeah. It's just, sorry. It's, it's so concentrated right there, you know, that manatees are just like literally like right with the boats, you know, whereas here we got so much more water spread out. It's just, that's tough for them. Yeah. Think about gray whales. They have, they, and they're not necessarily like negative ship strikes, but like when they rub up against a boat, they hit, there's barnacles and stuff growing on the bottom of the boat. You know, there's mm -hmm. zinks, there's screw, there's all sorts of stuff on boats mm -hmm. and they yeah. rub into them. And I mean, they, you can see there's, there's little calves that get cut because they're just rubbing up against the side of the boat. Not yeah. that it's like, it's not going to kill them, you know, but they definitely get, uh, there was little calves there that had prop scars on them already. Mm-hmm. Okay. It yep. definitely, uh, and it's not, and, and it's not like the, I mean, these boats don't even have to be moving for this to happen. They could run into the boat themselves, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think they sort of, they, they explain it pretty good in the methods they have. Um, there's obviously scars on manatees that are not from watercraft or at least not from like a moving watercraft. And so they have like, they had a way to kind of like tease that out of the results. Um, but even if like a small percentage was from a non-moving watercraft, like this is an enormous problem. Like this, yeah. that's insane. How many yeah. 40 watercraft over the life of an adult? Like that's, <laughs> yeah. that's crazy. I mean, they could also get, I wonder how they know if they're like, how they can tell their watercraft versus like, I'm looking at pictures over there. It looks like there's some like storm drains and stuff that will go into the area. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. If you, if you open so the maybe they, they have like on. a description of the categories of like what makes it 
a watercraft scar. Okay, yeah, because it could be some from docks, right? Docks, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, they, yeah, there's definitely, they get scars from Island. other things as well. But, like, they had a pretty good system of, like, determining it was from a watercraft. Yeah. Which is crazy. And then as you looked across the uh, areas that the necropsies were done, the, the west coast of Florida, those carcasses had the most scars. Then the east coast of Florida. And then... Uh, manatees in the Everglades so the Everglades is not nearly as transited by watercraft as the west coast of Florida so that like it's yeah. a factor of boat traffic basically yeah um and then the adult females had more scars than the males and they said that's likely due to um, their behaviors during their reproductive years so like females that are pregnant are foraging in shallow water more often because that's the least energetically taxing locations to forage is in shallow water um and then also when they're with calves they spend a lot of time at the surface as well because the calf can't hold his breath as long and then females do actually live longer than males in their overall um life history so the they think that it's a factor of like how long the, the animal lives yeah and then they have this really this pretty compelling graph showing the expected increase in scars based on the increase in body length. So the older you are, the bigger you get, the more scars you're going to have. It's like a Rizzo. Yeah. Except it's not from other Rizzos. (laughs) Not from prey. It's from, you know, now that we talk about, you know, we can really do like literally multiple episodes about manatees. Like one, one kind of interesting thing about them is, you know, that position you, you, when you think of a manatee, how they're always in, you know, they're obviously kind of, you know, um, playing at the surface yeah, hor- yeah kind of horizontal their lungs are actually on their very back it's not like you know you would think around yeah their head is chester. usually down yeah like the middle of their back is up at yeah. the surface. but their lungs are on the back because that kind of aids in their buoyancy so you know when they get hit it's obviously you know any any hits bad in any area of the body but yeah your lungs are back there so it, it's gonna it's brutal evolution is so crazy like yeah we'll just move the lungs to the back no big deal <laughs> <laughs> they weren't working for you in your chest. So, yeah. you know, it's honestly yeah. so true. But if you look it's at like, their ribs, like... yeah. If you look at their ribs, it's like it's made to kind of like protect that area. I mean, for I'm if you look at, at their ribs and the manatee like, anatomy, the diameter like... diameter of them, they're they're pretty big. They're, they kind of look big for an animal for its size, you know. So I think that's also changed over time to kind of maybe protect those lungs. It's pretty amazing. Like yeah, yeah. Adam's looking it up right now. He'll see. It's like those belong to a manatee. They're thick, you know. Do you think man like whales look at manatees like you're so dumb for keeping it on your what nose? What the heck? You should have moved Dude, it to the back of your head. They're like <laughs> it like covers like all of their organs, their lungs. Yeah. Like they have like huge like long lungs. What the yeah. heck? And it covers the back, right? It's, it's weird. Yeah. It's, yeah. But it's a good and a bad thing. It helps them out with their buoyancy, but as far as ship strike goes, ugh. do you see the bones oh, yet? That's... Yeah. Those ribs, are, those ribs yeah, are those ribs are gnarly chunky yeah uh. so the other paper i wanted to talk about um this one is really like tedious on the biochemistry so if you don't feel compelled to like read this yourselves if you're if you see the link on our facebook page later like i don't blame you it's pretty <laughs> tedious to get through but the main points that i wanted to make is that um it's coming out it's in the july 2021 issue of the journal it's in but it's chronic exposure to glyphosate in the florida manatee so glyphosate is an herbicide used on sugarcane fields and so it's getting into the waterways that manatees use via runoff but also sometimes it's carried by the wind 
Um, and more than 55% of manatees sampled in the study that they did had this herbicide present in their body. And this herbicide causes kidney and liver issues in um, rats and mice that are tested in the lab. And because they're all mammals, they're assuming it does the same to manatees. And it also compromises their immune function. So while manatees are trying to combat all these other issues in their environment, they're also having this um, other like pollution factor to deal with. And it's an herbicide that's found in really high rates in manatees. Mm-hmm. So why that why I thought that was even relevant at all is because Florida manatees are going through an enormous die off right now. So they've already had 430 manatees die this year in 2021. 200 of them were in the Indian River area alone in one Mm -hmm. concentrated area. Um, And some of the factors that are being discussed about why is because of those cold water events that happened. Um, in the southern U.S., the southeast U.S., over the last um, three months, we saw like the cold stunned sea turtles and, you know, yeah. snow in Texas and all that stuff. Well, it cooled the water to the point where manatees were getting cold shock in such high numbers that like people just couldn't rescue them all. Um, mm-hmm. And they were just dying in huge numbers. But also they're this, the plants that they eat don't survive well in cold water either. So not only are the manatees dying from how cold it is, there's also not very much food to eat. And then um, one article also talks about the toxin level with high numbers of runoff with all the rain pushing all those pollutants into the ocean, into the freshwater waterways and then out into the ocean. So uh, manatees are having a rough go right now. And I think this coming Monday, there's going to be an emergency meeting um, facilitated by Florida uh, Fish and Wildlife Commission because it's like an unprecedented number of dead manatees. Have they declared a UME or... Um, not yet, but I'm wondering if that's what the emergency One meeting day. is going to discuss. Yeah. Isn't it seem a little weird that like a, a California sea lion can handle very cold waters, yet a manatee can't? I mean, I guess they have fur. Yeah, well, they have fur and blubber. Manatees, even though they look like really porky, um, they're an herbivore, so they don't have a lot of fat yeah. and they don't eat like a high energy food source. They're not eating a lot of protein and a lot of fat. They're eating plants, so they're they're a little more susceptible yeah Yeah. i guess they just look very blubbery huh yeah (laughs) but they're actually not they're quite gassy though yeah (laughs) that helps them with because they eat a lot of plants yeah yeah vegans that's what slater likes them (laughs) (laughs) so yeah that was my um thanks for for um, entertaining my manatee episode, you guys. I texted them beforehand and asked if it was okay. <laughs> Dude, manatees I, are rad. I love them. If you don't want to go with me, guys, to see manatees, it's cool. I'll go by myself. We've all I seen manatees them. except for you. I saw I've them seen them, dude. <laughs> you swam with them, though? Yeah. Totally. <laughs> oh, liar. I swam with sea lions, dude. They're relatives. <laughs> Not really at all. Not really at all. Not even close. (laughs) Don't tell Nick Pineson that you said that. (laughs) Ah, dude, that's my friend. (laughs) So, Uh, yeah, that's all I have for this episode. How about this later? I'll go back in time with you to hang out with Stellar Sea Cows. That's what I'll do. You're welcome. I'm going way for it. I have the option. Better than the Eocene. I'm going better than the Eocene. Disrespect. <laughs> Nothing's better than the Eocene. Maybe the Miocene. <laughs> so is that it? 
I think that's it for this yeah, one. Okay. You guys know that, that you guys know the manatees have little finger fingernails? Yeah, you can yes, see them. They they're so cute. Yeah, they're hella cute. Oh, you want me to send Caitlin? No, you've seen them. Slater wouldn't know, but... <laughs> I used to own a uh, finger painting class for them. Okay. <laughs> I can send you manatee photos, Caitlin. So. Yeah, that would be great because I'm... Um, not only am I between jobs, I'm between computers, so I don't have oh. like any of my photos. Okay. Are you getting a new laptop, Caitlin? Um, probably at the end of the whale season. She's got to get a 100 to 400 first, bro. Yeah, I'm getting I a like lens first. Get but I have lens. I have my desktop computer in Massachusetts. I'm just I'm not there yet. So. Massachusetts. thanks everyone for listening thank you for supporting us on patreon as well we really appreciate your continued support on there and our new patrons or people that upgraded their patreon um gift every month that was super cool of you so thank you and um thank you for following us on social media and reviewing and rating the podcast wherever you listen to it and if you don't follow us on social media it's at whale nerds yeah we have a sick new logo now Sick. Yeah, yeah I just updated the one on there. Facebook. Well, I Sick. updated the one on Instagram. Well, you're fired. You guys are on your phones while we're <laughs> podcasting again. I did it. No, I did, I did it before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, <laughs> you guys just want a small glimpse into my life. She checks the timestamp. She's like, ha <laughs> <laughs> like, aha. Uh-huh, got that you. was 13 minutes into the podcast. 37 minutes ago, we've been podcasting for 50 minutes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I'm going to do it on the Patreon page. Mm. Oh yeah, my thank gosh. you guys so much for uh, the Patreons again because of your continued support. That's we use that to go towards um, getting new logos, and that means a lot to us. So thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Possible without you. Thank you. We have seventeen Patreons. Yeah, isn't it awesome? Hey, you're not allowed on our Patreon, dude. I can thank you. <laughs> Who gave you hey, anyways, you guys, let's end the episode. <laughs> Wait. Thank you. Wait, wait, wait. We gotta wait, go. Oh, what's uh, the secret? What's the secret word? Secret whale. Secret hold on, hold on, hold on. I got one. I got one. Um uh uh, uh Just put a humpback whale dolphin. Hector's Hector's dolphins. Oh my god, you guys pick one. Humpback Hector's dolphins. dolphins. <laughs> what? No, Hector's dolphins, dude. You can't even spell what it. Do? I think last time we didn't even do an actual animal. It wasn't a real animal. It wasn't a real animal. It was just put, put, Slater um, just said something. What was the manatees? What did they think they were? Mermaids. Merman. Put, put mermaid or merman on the post about the episode. Or Hector's Dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.